Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Langley Flores with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, my South Stand chum, the bearded legende, the one and only, the daddy-o, it's Mr. Paul Lee. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 347, and as always, we say thank you to everyone who tuned into last week's show. This week, we've got two very different games to review, plus news that has happened over the last seven days, so just in case you've missed anything, we will bring you up to speed. So without further ado, let's just crack on, and as always, we start with a word from our podcast sponsor. We absolutely do that. Carol Langley Florist, they're based in Chingford, and have served the borough of Waltham Forest and the surrounding area for over the last 70 years. They've got a fantastic team who we speak about every week over here for all your needs, whether that was a Valentine's gift last week, whether it's an upcoming Mother's Day gift for March, whether it's a bespoke wedding event, a family funeral tribute, a birthday anniversary they can do whatever you like and the best part is they offer all those fans and staff 15% off which could give you a huge saving on any of your costs so to get in touch with the team you can give them a call on 0208 529 4130 you can go and have a look at their website they can be found at www.carolangley.co.uk or you can find John and the team on social media they are on Instagram at Carol Langley Florists they are on Twitter at Carol Langley E4 or you can find the team on Facebook at Carol Langley Florist it's great to see so many O's fans take up um, that 15% off offer John posted about it earlier uh, on the Carol Langley Florist Twitter amazing well done for taking our prods last week of getting yourself sorted (laughs) well done and keeping it in the Orient family as well very good stuff so supporters club got two trips to tell you about Saturday coming the 24th of February we're off to Oxford 3 o'clock kickoff. coaches will leave the supporters club at half past 10 adult fare for this one is 28 quid concession to 25 children travelling 14 quid and then on Saturday the 9th of March we're off to Wigan big old trek up north there coaches will leave at 8 o'clock that, that is a long old journey adult fare for that is 30 quid that's really good value Considering Oxford's 28, wow. Um, adult fare, 30 quid. Concessions are 36, and kids will travel for 20 on that one. There is a £3 surcharge if you're not a member, which still is really cheap, um, and all children must travel with an adult. And obviously, those prices do not include your match day ticket. So to book for these trips or any of the future trips that are coming up for the rest of this season, go into the supporters club on a match day. Um, you can go in and do it. I would think maybe at meet the manager this coming Tuesday Good night prods. maybe um, but if not do it on a match day or you can call the travel line if you can't get to a home game before that it's 07507 539579 Paul mentioned meet the manager that takes place with Richie Wellens Sir Richie Wellens Super Richie Wellens whatever we're calling him that is this Tuesday look out uh, for that there'll be some great questions asked at one down at the supporters club so Two pieces of AOB this week. First up, congratulations to Darren. Ten more years, Prattley, who made his 100th O's appearance last Saturday. Lovely to see. He's got, by no means of a doubt for me, the two best Orient songs at the moment. Yeah. Ten more years, Dan Prattley. And then the tune uh, from Paparazzi, Lady yeah. Gaga. I love yeah. it. So well done to Darren. If he plays for ten more years, he's going to do a thousand O's appearances. So um, <laughs> it'll be 48. So good luck with that one, Darren. Yeah. Also, uh, just a quick shout out. It was lovely to meet Sheldon Feldman yesterday in the South Stand Toilets. Uh, no finer place in the world. Absolutely. Sheldon, thank you for coming over uh, and saying hello. It was lovely to meet you. <clears throat> and um, 
yeah, thank you for all the support um, of the podcast and a, and a lovely chat we had before kickoff yesterday. Indeed. So let's crack on while you recover oh, with man. the Excuse week me. that was. Happy Monday, the 12th of February. We start with a congratulations to Sol Brin. He made the League One team of the day for his performance against Barnsley. So well done, Sol. Absolutely. Well done to Sol. And in the evening where the fans forum had concluded, which took place at the club, the club put out a statement about his future plans. So if you remember in our interview with Nigel Travis two weeks ago, he alluded to some investment. There was a lot more put out, uh, far too much to read the whole statement, but in short, the club has a new mission statement, which is to grow Leighton Orient into a club that can compete sustainably at championship level. And the biggest word of that whole <coughs> sentence or that whole mission is sustainably, um, because as we, as Nigel has said, clubs lose tens of millions of pounds in that division on the regular. So. The statement, uh, mission statement went on to say, in the short to medium term, we wish to broaden our shareholder base by bringing a new investor or new investors on board to join us and help the club continue its progression on and off the pitch. The update also said, however, the existing board acknowledges that the potential long-term goal of a new stadium will require a level of funding beyond its current collective financial capability. However, many of our current investors are expected to participate in future rounds of investment if an outstanding new investor materialises from this process who, after a period of time working with the club, the board feel would be a suitable long-term steward for Leighton Orient, it could lead to the acquisition of the controlling share in the club. That's a very important paragraph. Since putting that paragraph into our episode plan, that paragraph actually got removed or adjusted. So it came down and it's been edited. So if anyone is looking for that statement um, <laughs> on the there website, you won't find it in all its glory like that. So went up, came down, got adjusted. I think we captured it un- unknowingly, actually, until we just read it, that that was the original <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> but can I just say that that's not new news in the sense that Nigel has always said that we will need future investment um, it's always been that the board has a limit to what it can, could and would and will do. Um, and so from that point of view, um, it came as no surprise that if... And, and I, I guess what is new is that if from one of the funding rounds a decent new investor, yes. I guess that's the new bit from it, is that if somebody materialises from a, an investment round that shows capability, willingness and... Um, Honesty that they will deal with or in, in a proper way and lead us further forward, take us further forward, that they would be willing to give up the controlling share of the club, which Phoenix Investments, uh, Investment Solutions or whatever the parent company is called, um, they'll, they'll sell. So, you know, great. And, and what honesty and transparency, for the, again, from the board and, and how we're looking to go forward. I, I know it sent a few fans into a little bit of a tiz about that. Is the club up for sale? Isn't it up for sale? I think that makes it quite clear that it's not up for sale, but it is up for new investment. And if off the back of that new investment, yeah. a new investor comes to light that can actually take us forward, we're not making the same mistake that Barry Hearn made, basically. Yeah, I mean, it was a good, a good statement. Again, very transparent, I think. The board from thinking that championship football was a long way away have suddenly, I think, realised that it might actually not yeah. that be far away in the Absolutely. future if we keep going the way we're going. But yeah, first, I know you said there's no surprise there, really. Nothing that hasn't been said before. There are obviously sentiments about it. 
a suitable long-term steward for Leighton Orient could lead to the acquisition of the mm. controlling. That's the first time I think anything like that has been alluded to. Obviously, yeah. none of us are getting any younger. I think it's fair no, to say, and, no. and there needs to be a legacy at Leighton Orient. But I thought it was a good statement. Again, even though Orient aren't for sale, I think every football club is up for for sale for the right price to the, the right, right price to the right yeah. person, which is always going to be the case. But because we yeah. don't want to be in Charlton's position, we don't want to be in Reading's position, we don't want to be with these. <clears throat> owners that just absolutely run them into the ground and, and end up in the position that we were under the previous owner. The thing is, though, you like you'll you never, never know. know. Barry Hearn, when he sold to, we won't say his name on the pod, could never have known what was going to happen. All he'd known was this guy was loaded, mm. foreign investor, promising orient the world like he was. And when I remember when he bought the club, or when Barry Hearn sold the club, how excited we all were. I remember we just started the podcast at that time. We were signing players who we would never have dreamed of signing back then. And it was very exciting. Obviously, it turned into a nightmare. But those first three months where you're signing Darius Henderson and Shane Lowry, you're going, what is going on? Yeah. And this guy's going, we're going all the way to the top after just missing out on the championship playoff. Or no championship place in that playoff. It was very hard not to kind of be excited by all that. Yeah, so, of there's only so much background checking you can do. But yeah, really... Uh, Transparent, like I said, and exciting, but also you know it could be the start at the end of, of this kind of era at Leighton Orient, which is yeah. obviously going to happen at at some point in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. But it, it's great to hear such positivity coming out of the club still, and that they are future planning. So it makes it you know Nigel and Kent and the board have done a tremendous job, and and long may that continue. But and they're doing it, they're doing it in a in a risk-averse kind of way, which I'm all, which we should all be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, anything that we hear on investment or anything that's put out, we will follow up on the podcast as we always do. So going on into Tahuay Tuesday, the 13th of February, the lunch, the lunch, the youth team are in action <laughs> at lunchtime, taking on Gillingham at home. And what a game they had. We went 2-0 down very early within 11 minutes, but we pulled a goal back on the half-hour mark. When Thomas Afkastidis netted from the spot as he owes went in 2-1 down at the break. Yeah, they did indeed. Um, in the second half, Afkastidis got his second of the game to make it 2-2 in the 54th minute. But in the 74th minute, against the run of play somewhat, it was the visitors who retook the lead to go ahead 3-2. Yeah, they did. Their lead didn't last long as Dan Carter, that's the name who's cropping up a lot more on this podcast. You will hear it again. We certainly After will. <laughs> he equalised just two minutes later to make it free all. In the 86 minute, the O's went ahead for the first time in the match as Akastidis completed his hat trick. So, 4 3 up. Uko OG, we mentioned him last week, added a fifth. You'll hear again from him later. For the O's well. to make it 5 3 in the yeah. 90th minute. And although Gillingham pulled a goal back in the 95th minute, the O's saw the game out to get the 5 4 win. Well done, young guys. What a game! What a game. Nine goal Yeah, It was a precursor to the game we were going to go on a bit later. Yeah, it, really was. it really was. So, Northampton Town at home was the main event of Tuesday night. The teams were announced at 6.45. Sol Brin in goal. Ethan Galbraith was our right-back. Omar Beckles, Brandon Cooper, the centre-backs. Tom James at left-back. Idris El Mazzouni and Jordan Brown were the sitting two with Ford, Shaq Ford, uh, George Monker and Ollie O'Neill were the uh, front three with um, Kayon Edwards uh, up top running the line there. Subs for this one, Howes, Sweeney, Sotiriou, 
Prattley, Adu, Ajay, Hunt and Pegram made up the uh, substitutes bench. Yeah, so that's starting eleven. So two lineups from the game against Barnsley on the previous Saturday. As Roy also too, you've got a place on the bench while Edwards led the front line making his debut. And Brandon Cooper came into the starting lineup to replace the injured. Dan Happy, so Mr. Levy, what are your thoughts at six forty-five? Yeah, happy with that lineup. Looking forward to see what uh, Keon uh, has to offer and what he's all about. But question mark around Joe Piggott not being in in the starting lineup or even on the subs bench. So what's gone on there? Because obviously, you know, for whatever reason, probably the right reasons, Richie doesn't really announce what who's mm. injured and who's going to play. It keeps us guessing. Obviously, it's going to keep our opposition. Guessing as well, so I'm not adverse to it, but it would be nice to know post match what what has happened. But um, yeah, no strong side, good bench as well. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That one. I liked it when I saw it. Nice surprise to see Ruel on the bench. Obviously, he came off against Barnsley, and everyone thought that might be a bit worse than what it was. And like you said, when you don't see Pigger in the lineup, you think, oh, what's happened there? Obviously, in last week's podcast, most of the post match tweets against Barnsley were about how poor Pigger was, and with long long gone are the days. Yeah, he missed a couple of chances. Where managers he? are talking about lineups, yeah. post, or certainly later tonight now anyway, so you kind of think, oh, what's happened there? But obviously, we'll kind of come up to him in a bit. But big chance for Pegram, massive chance for Edwards, huge chance for Adu, Ajay on the bench, and big chance for Sweeney back in the squad. So, some big, big players there. So, let's see what you thought. Lots of tweets came into us when that team was announced. Ellen Isabella said, no Piggott in the team, and Pegram on the bench, but our squad. Looking Fred Bear. Yeah, Rob JB1974 said a very youthful forward line, hopefully with no fear. Yeah, Rainbow Sailor said so has Pegram been recalled? Obviously, because of Pegram's loan spell, that I think mm. must have finished by now, I'm not sure. And Royal's hamstring has been cured. Strong team. James Eastwood83 said, Happy that Edwards is afforded a start and glad that we've got Ruel in there. Piggott has been rested, the eyes emoji, and Charlie Pegram recalled to fill his space. Still a strong team and showing that we do have some strength in depth, even with the amount of injuries that we have. Absolutely. All right, so let's go. The match kicked off under the lights in a chilly Brisbane road with the O's looking to put the weekend's away defeat to Barnsley behind him against a Northampton town team just a few points off of us in the League One table. Yeah, and there wasn't really much to talk about really until the 8th minute when Ethan Galbraith fired high and over the goal after he drove from midfield all the way through to the edge of the Northampton penalty box. First O's corner of the game came in the 10th minute. The ball was put to the back post and Molden managed to palm away header from Brandon Cooper. We owned another corner that came to nothing initially as it was over here, but through some good possession football and pressure, we owned our third corner in the 12th minute from which Omar Beckles headed wide. Yeah, Morrow's pressure over the next few minutes that ended in the 17th minute with a George Moncur shot from a tight angle that was comfortably saved by Molden in the cobbler's goal. I think it's fair to say having the majority of possession looking good, so passing far. it around yeah. uh, easily, dominating the game. Watching Idris late and Orient putting on a show. As we always do. Idris yeah. was booked for a late lunge on Leonard <coughs> in the 20th minute. Well, I remember about that, that was a definite booking. That was 100% a booking, but to do it so early in the game, he's just obviously just misjudged it. Uh, fast forward 14 minutes, it's now to the 34th minute and our fourth corner of the game after some good build-up play and from the corner we took the lead as it was played to George Moncur back to Ollie O'Neill and he fired a beautiful cross shot which went goal bound Jordan Brown cleverly left the ball and it went past Molden and into the net to put the O's 1-0 up thoughts on that? I think it was very deserved at that point great to see Ollie off the mark we've all been very impressed with O'Neill um, so far in his kind of few substitute appearances and although 
he wasn't so on closer look you see him score the goal and then you see Jordan Brown run over to him and he says to Jordan did you touch that is, oh, is right. it my goal and Jordan's like no like mate like that's your goal and you kind of see him like that's when he does like his like fist in the air oh, when he realises he scored which is a nice moment that's lovely I missed that but well played Jordan Brown for, le- yeah. for leaving the ball obviously knew what he was doing there he could have easily have touched that in and taken that absolutely that glory but he didn't and he left it and that do you know what tells a lot <clears> about <throat> the dressing room and the type of characters that we've got just that little thing might not seem it might be completely off other most other people's radars but I didn't know that because I, I hadn't been out, I hadn't had time to catch up on the closer look. But the fact that you said that tells me a lot about Jordan Brown's character because he could have been selfish and stolen that, and he didn't. I don't normally watch all like the content the club put out just to being busy. But I think from the euphoria of um, Tuesday, I, I, well, I watched it, and it was good to be yeah. fair to the media guys. But yeah. also we scored from a scored from a set piece again in a short corner. Yeah, who is this team we're watching these days? If only we had a set piece. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I thought it was a nice corner routine as well. Um, yeah. I thought it was poor on their part, poor goal to concede. It wasn't a particularly fierce or clever shot. Yeah. But I think the fact that Jordan was there, I think Molden had probably anticipated Brown touching it. So that's clever from Jordan. So well done. I agree with you. Great yeah. credit to him. Yep. All right. In Let's the, move on. Uh, six minutes later, the aforementioned Jordan Brown, who we've just praised when he picked up a book in. He did, He's silly boy. Tenth book in a season, running him out for the next two games. Absolutely. <laughs> One minute of added time and up on the border with Northampton. Camped around our box, Leonard ran off Idris El Mazzouni, got his shot off, took a slight defection off Brandon Cooper, and it curled past Solbrin and into the bottom corner to level the scores at 1 all. Slight deflection. I've watched that goal back a few times. I don't think it's massive. Very slight. Even looking at it head-on as we were behind that goal, it didn't look massive. And you could argue that Sol should do better. He dived the right way. He was just obviously set us a second too late. But we don't close out play quickly enough. We don't get round that and, and to block the shot quick enough. So, yeah, we, they didn't deserve to be back in the game, but we didn't do well enough to stop that. So that's what happens. Disappointing goal to concede at a disappointing time. I think Richie, we're not going to play Richie's post-match from Northampton, but he did say Tom James was struggling a bit there and James initially kind of can't get to his man quick enough, yeah. which kind of gives Leonard a bit of time and space. And even though it was a slight deflection of Cooper, I think the ball does pick up a bit of pace after it gets to Cooper. But a disappointing time to concede, like we said. So no further action to talk about. The referee blew the half-time whistle with the sides going in even. one all at half-time. Yeah, absolutely. Attendance for this was 7,228 with just 573 making it down for Northampton. Fair play. Didn't feel like there were 7,000 in the ground. Poor Red Rum said a very good 44 minutes, but that is a sucker punch at the end. They seem to be targeting Galbraith a little. Need to get Edwards involved. He's done okay, though, in my eyes. Yeah, one change at half-time. Tom James was replaced by Rob Hunt, which Richie did explain post-match, which we'll come on to later. Yeah, already got the second half underway. And a minute later, Northampton almost took the lead with a shot that was blocked into Solbrin's grateful hands. Yeah, 48 minutes. Now, George Moncur stung Molden's hands with a shot at close range after some good build-up play. Yeah, you could tell it was going to be quite an open second half yeah. in this one. 57 minutes, impatient build-up play. Eventually saw the ball come out to Ollie O'Neill on the left-hand side. He drove forward, cut inside his man. His shot was destined for the top corner, but well-palmed away by Molden, good but only that. into the path of Shaq Ford at the back post as he coolly side-footed the ball into the net to make it 2-1. I mean, Ollie O'Neill was having the game of his life. Yeah. He was, If anything was happening, it was all going Down via Ollie, which was great to see. 
I've got to say, well done to Shaq, though. That looks like an easy finish. I guarantee you he's leading back and the ball is coming to him at pace and yep. on the bounce. Yep. I've seen many a striker put that wide high over the bar. I've seen Ruel put that high and wide over the bar. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was thinking of Ruel. Exactly. Like that. But Shaq makes it look so, so easy. Man yep. on fire. Great finish. And, he, and that is that is the art of, of anticipation. That is the art of... Um, being able to adjust yourself, your body. You're right. That isn't. That is not. That does not look easy. Hard, and hard. and and that went into the top of the goal. So if he'd have just leant back a little bit more or, or or caught the wrong part of his boot, that goes over the bar instead of in the goal into yeah. the roof of the goal. Love so yeah, finish. no, great, great, and great from Ollie. Their right back was terrified all game uh, because of Ollie looking so dangerous. But yeah, Shaq made that look easy, and it, you're right, it wasn't. Great finish, but so went up then. Yeah, 58 minutes on the clock now, second or in substitution as Jordan Brown was replaced by Darren Darren Prattley. Certainly was, 59 minutes from <coughs> kick-off, the O-smell blood, nearly got a third, with George Moncur driving forward, he passed it all to Kane Edwards, who fed it back across goal to in the path of Idris Almazuni, and he took a first-time side-foot shot, which was saved by Molden. To be fair, I don't think Molden knew anything about it, it just no. literally hit his body. And somehow the chance was gone to start 2-1. Yeah, six minutes later, a goal-saving block from Ethan Galbraith denied the Cobblers a certain equaliser. Great block there from Ethan Galbraith to get back into position to block the shot. Yeah. Let's forward into the 76th minute. Two more Orient subs were made as George Munker and Kane Edwards both came off. They were replaced by Ruel Sotiriu and making his professional debut and O's debut, Dan Adu, Adu Ajay. Yeah, absolutely right. Sixty, sorry, 76 minutes on the clock, Northampton equalised as Spriggett crossed in the ball from the left. Pinnock got a touch on it and the ball came to Kieran Bowie, who got his shot away past Solbrin at the near post to make it 2 2. Out of nothing. Really? Like it wasn't like an equaliser you saw coming. They just had yeah. one attack. Bowie got a second of space. Bosch to all and all that hard work. And bear in mind, we just taken Moncur off and just taken Edwards off. So the team are resettling now into their new shape. And it's even Stevens again. You're thinking, oh, we've blown it, surely. Who knew of the drama that was to come? All right, we're looking for an immediate response. We also tell you, had a nice little turn in the box following the pass from Ollie O'Neill, but his shot took a deflection and went away for a corner. From the corner, Ollie O'Neill played a short one-two with Shaq Ford, chipped the ball in the box, and Royal Soteria got ahead of his man and glanced the ball into the net with his head to make it 3-2. We scored again from another short corner. Another short corner, yeah. Amazing. I mean, that was just a fairly basic goal, isn't it? One-two from the corner, get it in, Royal gets ahead of his man, flicks it on, and Bosch, although I did watch Royal's uh, post-match interview as well. It's Real Soteri's first-headed goal since his first professional goal for Leighton Orient. Really? Away to Newport, I think Real said it was. So, good to see Real score with his head. Hopefully yeah. he has many more. Very talented. Good little finish, yeah. And again, it won't have done Real's confidence any harm at all. Not at all. Come on as a sub and literally one of your first touches is to head a goal. I think that was, he's been on the pitch for like eight minutes. Bosh. Absolutely. It's exactly what you need. That's, it. That's, that's what you call an impact sub, it. That's what you call an impact sub. 82 minutes now in a game where the drama kept coming. Northampton equalised for a third time as Fox put the ball in the area. It bobbled around with Omar Beckles unable to control it. Simpson got in front of him and managed to turn and get his shot away into the top corner, giving Solbrin no chance to make it 3 3. Just remember sitting there, like, how are we in ourselves down? Just being like, what is going on? Why can't we keep the lead? That one. I think you go, their first goal, alright, decent finish, maybe Bruin should do better. Second goal, you're like, oh, defenders a bit lapsed there. Third goal, you're thinking, that's the one where you think you could have easily cleared that ball. 
mm. like in the build up several times. Like, don't think Brinkley done anything about that. The guy's so close to the goal, mm. like, and he just smashes it high. He was giving us problems, Simpson, um, from when he came on as a sub, and we looked a completely different team to the one who had kept like keeping clean sheets for what, 530 minutes every time That's they came right. at us we were like we're going to concede and yeah. now you're thinking we've blown it here and it could, they might even go and win this at that point yeah and do you know what it's really easy to, to overreact because of your frustration but Omar really is, as an experienced defender really should not be finding himself in these positions don't get me wrong everyone's a human being you know I play football regularly on a, on a midweek night now and I know sometimes your brain and your feet don't always communicate or connect properly and you want to do something and it doesn't quite come off but you think at that level it's a more elite level uh, that these kind of mistakes shouldn't happen as frequently as they do um but yeah but it's it, you know it it's easy to overreact in these situations but thankfully over the last few weeks we've been spoiled because these haven't been happening absolutely all right so we pulled back to free oil with the O's looking to take the lead for the fourth time an audacious and brilliant half volley from Idris oh. from outside the area. Oh. Looped, keeper stranded, oh. hit the crossbar in the 84th minute. What a goal that would have been. We were 100%. right behind that. Yeah. It looked close and it was close. Right, I've been Two inches lower oh. and that is that is goal of the month. Easy. All day long. Easy. Um, Ollie O'Neill received a brilliant cross from Dan Adouajay. He set up Ruel Sotiriou superbly in the 90th minute, but he ended up blazing over from about 12 yards out. I mean, that is absolutely shocking, I thought, at the time. Uh, he's rushed it, he's snatched it, he makes hard opportunities look easy, and easy opportunities <laughs> look hard. I just don't get it. And it happened again on Saturday. He was less than seven yards out, and he's put it wide instead of at least on target. The keeper saves it, I'll give you your dues, at least you got it on target. But to put it wide, I mean, I'm coming on to yesterday's game yeah. now. But you know, nonetheless, it 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 should be, he should be a little bit more composed. I think at that point in that game, you're thinking that's probably the chance that it's gone. It's gone. That, that we're walking away from here at the point. Nothing yeah. else is going to happen. All right, seven additional minutes went up on the board in the 96 minute. Cue the limbs in Brisbane Road. We won a corner, which you've all seen it by now. We'll do our best to kind of talk about it. The corner came in, was headed away by Pinnock. Tyree Simpson hesitated to clear the ball. Ethan Galbraith capitalised as he leapt like a salmon to win his header from outside the area. The ball in comes to Brandon Cooper, who adjusts his body, cushions the ball over the Northampton defence, and then suddenly into the path of the onrushing Ralph Sotiriou, who blasts the ball into the back of the net to make it 4-3, and to leave absolutely elation in the south that's stand. a harder opportunity than because he's watched it come over from behind him yeah. and he's watched the ball come over from the back and down and then blast it he hasn't let the ball bounce he hasn't got to control it first time instinct bang how that's my point he does the hard things easily and the easy things hard that was a great moment that what was a, a great moment unbelievable I mean you've got to think from Satu's perspective yeah it's li- he can see it coming to him into his path and he just laces through it, Bosch. Makes it look very natural. I mean, I think that is going to be an I was there moment. I really do. I think we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this game for like many moons to come <laughs> for the excitement. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, the thing that cracks me up as well in the celebrations, they obviously all run on an oral celebrated. Yeah. Shaq Ford does like this crazy, I don't know if you've seen it, Shaq Ford runs to I go and meet tumble. everyone. <laughs> 
and he does like this crazy roll. I don't know if he mean he meant it or not. You just see him go flying with like a forward roll into the shot, and someone was like, "He was trying to do a knee slide. <laughs> He's lost his balance and just gone ass over tit for all intents and purposes." <laughs> but it's really funny when you see it in the background. You just see him flying in, so that made me laugh. But yeah, what an amazing moment! That was great. Yeah, totally agree with you. Um, time wasting substitution here as Shackford was replaced by Javen Sweeney. He certainly was. Nothing else to report. No time, thankfully. As referee brought this classic match to an end with the O's taking the points as Rock and Roll over the world was blared out across Bidburn Road, followed by Sweet Caroline as well. So you know when you've had a big game because you'll stay until Rock and Roll over the world finishes and then they play Sweet Caroline where everyone's still cheering. It was great. Orient Faithful clap Richie Wellens off and the team with the O's winning a game to remember 4 3. Unbeknownst to the fans, we're going to go back to Leighton Station and find out the central line is absolutely up the spell. Yeah. But at that point, it doesn't really care. matter. Yeah. <laughs> so Richie Wellens's interview is on all the club channels um, we aren't going to play it as Steve said earlier but he did give an injury update he said Dan Happy has got a hamstring issue he'll be out for about 8-10 to 10 weeks yeah and when, when on to drop the bomb on Theo Archibald but he says not a good one uh, it's his knee um, and the complications of Royal not having an ACL have led to other complications Theo, Theo sorry yeah looking at first Richie says, it looks like a long one. I'm not going to give a time span on it. But then goes to say, it looks like nine months plus. Mm-hmm. So obviously we wish Theo all the best and what an absolute um, what piece of that belter. Is. The other thing about that is he's obviously out of contract in the summer. So do we offer him a new contract? I will. If Orient don't offer Theo Archibald a new contract, I will be absolutely gobsmacked. I will. Well. I will be absolutely astounded. Bearing in mind that he's been here for, this is his two, third season with us now. Fan favourite, absolutely walking player of the year, I would say, pretty much, in my eyes, up until uh, his injury. I really think he carried us around November, December, in terms of creating chances, assists, driving the team up the pitch. I will be absolutely astounded if he doesn't get at least a two-year deal. Yeah, agree. I do agree with you. Max Sanders, um, Richie said he'd probably make the Oxford game. Obviously, he played yesterday. He came on yesterday, yeah, absolutely. Burton, which is great. Gave a bit of an update. Now, he gave an update on Jan, on Jan, on Dan Adji and Jordan Graham, saying they might make the last four games of the season. Now, I, I would be willing to risk that one of those players, knowing what a de- deceitful manager we have and how they don't give any injury updates which they are well within their rights to do it wouldn't surprise me if one of those players Dan Adji in my eyes is back sooner than what you expect right I don't know why I think it I think I'm just so untrustworthy of what Richie says around injuries that if he goes they might be back for maybe the last four games I think actually you probably mean the last eight games but you're just not saying anything right. uh, but obviously Jordan has been you know, Jordan's been out since late October, since yeah. getting injured um, away at Burton. So that's only a month away now, because our eight games is is Stevenage away. Well, Adji's been seen. Quite a few people have told me they've seen Adji like on a match day walking around, and like he can walk fine. Yeah, but whether he can run in. A yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. But with, with Jordan, where mm-hmm. he's had an operation, and you can see like kind of his journey, and he's still kind of on the road to recovery. Yeah. With that, you go. I can't. I, I'd be. I'd be quite surprised if Jordan has any more action this season. Yeah, I wouldn't be keen to rush them back. Absolutely, but it wouldn't surprise <clears> me if if Adji's seen at some point. Yeah. In this season, which would be obviously be great, and then obviously he kind of hopefully can make a bit of an impact towards the end of the season and hit the ground running with pre-season mm. in that so he went to mention them um, and then went on to mention that Joe Piggott um, picked up a little injury and should be back for Oxford no, yep. obviously that's going to be interesting because obviously Edwards has been starting as denied yep. 
well, after, like I said, we're not going to play um, his post-match, but he does say he likes Ruel as a sub, because Ruel can kind of sit there, and in his head he kind of can analyse the game and see what space he should be running into, as opposed to actually being on the pitch. He actually is quite intelligent from, from a football brain about pick, about watching a game and knowing where to run. So he likes bringing him on as a sub. Yeah, because he, uh, he can have... And I think Dan Adu, actually, he's done all right yeah. so far. So if Pickett is fit, it'd be interesting to see who kind of comes out because one of those one of those three players will have, will have to drop out of the squad to accommodate Piggott you would imagine unless mm. they go for or an Uber attack be Sweeney that will drop out possibly example. but you know, you're not giving yourself much defensive cover mm. at all so yeah interesting there but a good, a good injury update there from Machine Anti indeed yeah much needed league table that win together with other results going our way saw us move up one place to 8th in the league uh, we've now played 32 games we've won 13 drawn 9 lost 10 we've got a uh, zero goal difference now. We've managed to claw back. I think we're at minus nine at one point. We've got 48 points on the board. So I think that is, without wishing to sound like the ever pessimistic Orient fan, I think that is relegation <laughs> uh, guarantee, uh, avoidance guaranteed. Um, so we're now seven points off the playoffs, although Stevenage in seventh have got a game in hand. Yeah, there was a few, a few results on Tuesday that if you were looking above us, went our way so Stevenage yeah. lost I think there are a few other teams of others who didn't take maximum points so you look at it, at that point going actually like that was a big big win given the kind of circumstances and it so Bill Lejande let's hear it in your yeah. views on Northampton at home what a game I mean you could just end it there really what what a game like you said El Clasico uh, it, <laughs> it will go down it will go down in, in living memory four good goals I mean Ollie O'Neill was a was a real standout tonight. There are so many others that you could probably pick out too. I mean, Ruel coming on for his two goals probably should have had more. Moncur, I thought was outstanding, yeah. really dangerous. That's the Moncur that we've been. I've been waiting to see for the last two seasons, to be perfectly honest with you. And what we are seeing of him now is what I was expecting to see and more over the since he signed for us, which we just for whatever reason, for various reasons, we haven't seen. I thought Idris Hunty. I thought when when he came on, all really good. And I think you know if we'd have defended it a bit better, a lot better, it wouldn't have been so close. I mean, you could pick out. It's easy to pick up the defence and the goalkeeper when we're conceding goals, but actually there are leading parts of play that the midfield could possibly do better on. But that's what you've got a defence for, is the last line of defence to help stop what the midfield yeah. don't pick up on. But one of those things, I mean, you can really be critical, but like, let's take that. That was a 4-3 win. Absolutely fantastic. We had so much of the possession. We created a lot more than them. They've had three shots on goal and scored three goals. I mean, that is uber efficient. Yeah. Really efficient. Not seeing such an exciting end to a game um, at times when a scoreline like that for, for quite a while. I think the last time that I picked out was back in August 22 at home to Hartlepool when we won 4-2. But that wasn't a particularly close game. I think someone picked out another one. I can't remember uh, that. But, that but, but also, above and beyond all this, the atmosphere was fantastic as well. Mm. Really enjoyable. Do you? Great game, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that game. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? You know, it had drama, passion, had very high highs at the high points. Uh, obviously, culminating in the ninety seventh minute. Also had low lows when you're sitting there going, "Oh, you like we've blown it again." So, brilliant performance. Always love a last minute winner. I don't. I've, we've seen a last minute winner in a long time, unless I'm mistaken. I I can't recall seeing a ninety, an injury time winner at Brisbane Road for ages. But happy to be happy to stand corrected. I thought the first half we were strong all over the pitch. I think, like I mentioned, I think second we looked defensively throughout. I thought Ali O'Neill was outstanding from start to finish. And 
we can't sit there and go, okay, Theo's out for nine months. It's really tough to take. But at the same time, I think had we not had Ole O'Neill, we would have seen a much bigger reaction. Mm. In, like a negative, it's, obviously it's a negative reaction to not having Theo. But I don't think we're as worried as what we might have been off the back of that performance from Ole. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I thought Galbraith again at right back was absolutely excellent. Monker, yeah, driving the team forward, getting the team up the pitch. I thought Real only on the pitch for like 20 minutes, scores two goals. That's the Royal we need to see every week, ultimately. And like I said, he misses a big chance in the 90th minute as well. But manages to redeem himself with, with the 97th minute goal. So, yeah, all in all, great performance. It felt like a big win. Like leaving the stadium, that was the first time where I actually thought, mm, we could sneak into this. Obviously, you've got to be really lucky. You know? And obviously, there's a lot of football to be played, but you go last minute winner, other results going our way. The whole vibe leaving the stadium was one of just pure positivity and elation. And you could, you could feel it. You could feel like something was happening. Mm. I felt walking out of that ground. So I was thinking, all right, amazing. Obviously, we'll come on to Saturday shortly. But <laughs> So those were our views. Obviously, loads and loads of views came into us at um, full time, as you would expect. And just because we read these views doesn't mean we agree with them. Boats, he says, oh my God, what a match. Always great to win in the last minute, let alone a 4-3. Real took his goals so well and credit to the players for not giving up. But questions need to be asked about conceding three goals. But how pivotal could this result be? James O'Hagan said, what a bloody game. Only complaint was all three of their goals. So along the similar lines, they're coming from the defence falling asleep. But I'm too much. I'm on too much of a high to care. I love football. <laughs> Ed Turn said, what a match. Ollie, incredible. Real took his winner superbly. They certainly look much improved. From the Sixfields game. Seb Kane said, I have no words. None. That is one of the best games of football I've ever seen. Not just an Orient game, any game of football. That was absolutely scintillating. High praise yeah. indeed there from Seb. One Adam C, who says, some credit to the board. O'Neill looks like an unreal addition. Agree. Totally agree, Adam. Derby 507 said, where did Moncur come from? Crazy game. Galbraith and Idris were their usual silky best, but O'Neill was unreal. I see what you did there. A special no. mention for Ford, who works tirelessly. Would agree. agree. Would agree with yeah. all of those points. They're well made. Stephen, LOFC and UFC. So Donia was understandably the man of the match. But Galbraith, absolutely magnificent. One of our most dangerous attacking threats. Our best passer of the ball. And also made some superb defensive contributions. Orin underscore Ed was exhausted. What a fantastic game. And even if we'd lost... I would have had a great time. O'Neill was class above tonight. Edwards worked hard and I reckon Richie played his hand by saving Ruel, saying Ruel would not be fit. I'm thrilled he was. I think Edwards grew into the game. I think as the game on, he grew into it. It's obviously very hard for him. He's obviously yeah. the first professional game of football, but I think he'd done all right, actually. Towards the end of it, I thought he settled and it was a shame that he came off. I think in the first half, obviously, they're kicking towards the north, so you might be able to see kind of the runs he's making as clear as what you can in the second when he's making those runs in front of us. I thought he made some really clever runs in the second and he just wasn't being getting picked out or being fed, but I thought I thought he'd done well there, so good point there. From Ed, the untold game, so another exceptional performance from Galbraith. Awareness, intelligence, technique, he's got the lot. And what a recovery run to stop Pennock scoring in the end. I didn't think Brown could have a rival for my affections. But it's close. Rio underscore Orient said, waiting at Stratford for a train back to Kent. I bought my girls for the first home game for one. Uh, trying to explain they're not all like that. O'Neill looked very good, as did Galbraith again. Realistically, probably too many injuries for a serious playoff tilt, but really building something. I get that, Rio, because I bought my son and we'd be old and 4-0. 
And I had to say to him, it's not like this every week. <laughs> but so far, he's only seen a couple of losses, so he must call me a liar. Les, OK52, says, Oddie O'Neill, take a bow, son. The best virtuoso performance seen at Brisbane Road in years. Just a word of praise, though, for Martin Ling for finding Oddie O'Neill. That looks like one of our best signings in a long, long while. Yeah, Jake Murphy Media said, what did I say about last minute goals on Saturday, saying football can be a cruel mistress? Well, today she was as sexy as ever. What a game. I joked with the bloke next to me that the academy won 5-4 and would take a game like, would take a game like that, and didn't we just? Ruel, Shaq, Oli, Ethan, Monker, Adewaje, and, and uh, we're all immense, but a great game and well done all, but an egg. No, sorry, I'm not reading this well. Great game and well done all. And excellent mental strength to come back from a setback three times in the game. Absolutely buzzing. That is a good point. Obviously, three equalisers. You've got to go down the other end and score three yep. more times. Good point there by yep. Jake. Luxury opinion. So, girl break impressed me so much. Quality on the ball. Strong defensively. Amazing range of passing. And that block in his own box was potentially game-defining. Shouts to the whole team for the effort. And what a feeling, Ron Ruel. Pop that last word, last one in. This is a good one. TM Stanworth said, It's the first Orient game I've been to since seeing three early season defeats. And wow, what an improvement. The O's have really found their feet in this division. Brilliant game, great support and a fully deserved victory. Can't beat a late winner. Great point there. The authentic Gaz says, What a night, what a game, what a brace, Morel. What a leap by Galbraith. What a time to score the winner. And what a way to spend a Tuesday evening. I've got a professional mother sitting in... KFC on that Tuesday I didn't have no idea that game was going to be like that made it all worth it absolutely right MS Orient said what a performance at times we were unplayable the players are really stepping up to the plate George Monker looks a different player Idris is incredible Brown and Galbraith the catalyst the lad from Bournemouth absolute quality what a night what a game D John's 1988 uh, made it Valentine's aware this may be life when I saw this atmosphere turning blue on came to two of you to see it with two that is great very poetic <laughs> new twitter handle here welcome to the podcast perks underscore eight said fair result uh, in the end and despite being gutted we didn't get the point our efforts might have deserved very impressed with you guys i thought oh sorry this is an oppo fan yes is this yes uh fair result in the end despite being despite being gutted we didn't get the point our efforts might have deserved very impressed with you guys i thought brown and the left winger was superb. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank Love it. you very much. Yeah, final word actually comes from a Northampton podcast who we've been on a couple of times. So, wow. Cobblers <clears throat> to me. Great podcast. Uh, well worth checking out. Uh, said, superb game. Hate to lose it, but wow. Great second half. Gutted our defending was so poor at times. But credit to the O's. Well done, guys. Great game. Yeah, prediction league update. And there were no correct predictions, unsurprisingly, for this one. We'll do a roundup. Uh, at the end of this episode. But there was some injury news off the back of um, Richie Wellens's, um, uh post-match, which not everybody had known about, but you very quickly put a tweet out, yeah, which so obviously we got quite we, a lot of response from. There were so many updates around that. Obviously, we know that people can't listen to all the interviews for whatever reason. So we put out a tweet wishing Theo well. Had a massive reaction to that one. So Theo... If you're listening, we wish you all the best. A few messages that came in off the back of Theo's injuries news that we put out. Jeff D. Graves said, wishing Theo a speedy recovery. Gutted for him, but hopefully he'll come back stronger and into a team that will really hit the ground running in League One next season. Wellsio said, very sad. A major influence in our rise to League One stability this season. Agree, absolutely. Yeah, really well put. LFC Teresa said, wishing Theo the very best. <clears throat> Hope he recovers quickly. We will miss him so much. 
Uh, C. Roper, 1975, said, so gutted for him and for us. Lennon 4, that's brutal. Theo, been superb this season. Bogstolics 1, good luck, Theo, for a successful op and a speedy recovery. Amishamo, this is awful news, wishing Theo speedy recovery. And finally, Pandemonium, 1881, said, firstly, it's good luck to Theo, and that is the third massive miss for us this season. The one crumb of comfort is that I believe Theo is out of contract. I see us standing by him, of course, and as such, he will no doubt affect, attract sorry, far less attention from other clubs. That's a very good point there from Matt. And like we said, wish Theo all the best. So that covers a crazy, crazy Tuesday night at the O's. Like I said, Central Line was down. So glad everyone got back safely because to get to Leighton Station at 10, quarter past 10 and find out this train's not running isn't the best experience. Yeah. So great everyone got back okay. And on Wednesday, the 14th of February, we'll start by saying happy Valentine's to you all. We all hope you got your flowers from Carol Langley Florist and had a lovely, loving full day. Indeed, Ollie O'Neill and Shaq Four were named in the League Two, League League One, sorry, team of the week following their performance against Northampton. So well done to you both. Absolutely. Moving on to Thursday, the fifteenth of February, Dan Adji was up for PFA League Player of the Month, which was a public vote. We mentioned that in last week's podcast. The results came out. Unfortunately, Dan did not win the award, which went to Derby County's. James Collins, unlucky. Uh, yeah, it's nonsense, Dan. isn't it? We were talking about this before we recorded. It's a nonsense because it's a popularity vote, not a meritocracy. So yep. don't worry, Dan, you didn't miss anything there. Friday the 16th of February then, very happy birthday to Orient legend Peter Kitchen. We hope you had a tremendous day, Peter. Um, and yeah, wish you all the best for the coming year. Yeah, happy birthday to Peter. All right, moving on into Saturday the 17th of February. And in the morning, the young O's are in action away. At Milton Keynes, you better get ready for this one. This hasn't happened, I think, in the nine years of the <laughs> Outlook's history. I don't think it's going to happen again for a long time. The O's got to a blistering start. We opened the scoring in the first minute through Abdi Muhammad. Hayden Bullas doubled our lead in the 10th minute with a fine strike from outside the box. And Dan Carter added a third with a fine finish three minutes later. Dan got his brace and on its fourth. And in, in the 20th minute after he won the ball and finished well. So 4-0 in the first 20 minutes. Absolute scenes followed. As Northwood added a fifth for Orient, with only 24 minutes on the clock, Dan completed his hat-trick in the 43rd minute, which made the score 6-0, and Uko Oji made it 7-0 on the stroke of half-time. What first half of football? MK Donslaz must have perhaps been out the night before, maybe. Uh, not to do our team any, any discredit, but I mean, it's 7-0 at half-time. What were they on? Barely a minute was on the clock in the second half when we made it 8-0 through Al Sadi and three minutes later OG made it uh, an astonishing 9-0 and Rion Smith-Kowassi made it 10-0 in the 63rd minute. There were no further goals. The game ended 10-0 to the Mighty O's against MK Dons in MK Dons' backyard. So well done to the young O's. That is a tremendous, tremendous uh, result. So well done to them. Crazy, two yeah. insane results. Uh, in nine world. goals in the first game and ten goals in the in the second game. Nineteen goals in two games. Yeah, must yeah. get down to watch the young O's at some point. All right, main event on Saturday, as you all know, was the visit of Burton Albion at home. Before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on this one. We had two hundred and fifty-five votes, and you voted as follows: with only nine percent of you thinking the O's would lose this one, eleven percent thinking the game would end in the draw. And an overwhelming, massive majority, 80% of everyone thinking the O's would win the game. So thanks to everyone for voting in that one. Indeed. The team was announced at 2 o'clock. Sol Brin was, list- was named in goal. Ethan Galbraith right back. Beckles and Cooper uh, centre-back. Rob Hunt uh, at left back. Uh, Idris El-Mazzouni. 
Darren Prattley, Shaq Ford, George Moncur, Oli O'Neill, and Keon Edwards made the starting lineup. Substitutes for this one were Sam Howes, Tom James, Jaden Sweeney, Matt Sanders, Charlie Pegram, Dan Aduajay, and Ruel Sotiriou. So that meant there were two changes for the O's as Rob Hunt came in for Tom James, who dropped to the bench, and Darren Prattley came in for Jordan Brown, who missed the game. Due to suspension, so a bit of Lejean, what were your views when you saw that team at two o'clock? I forgot that Brown was suspended, so I wouldn't I wasn't getting eleven on the fan hub uh, team predictor, but a strong side nonetheless. Good to see Sanders is back on the bench, which isn't one of the strongest we've seen this season, so it just shows you where the squad is in terms of strength and depth. How about you? Um That was as I expected it. So I I remembered that Brown wasn't going to be playing, so I thought Prattley might come in. I thought Sanders might make the bench, no surprise there. I thought Satiri might get a start. Right. given his two goals. Um, but also for the same time, it, due to what Richie said post-match, that he might stay on the bench. But I'm just thinking, if you're real, you must be thinking, I've scored two goals in like 20 minutes. Surely I'm guaranteed to start. But look, strong. I completely get the reasons why he does it. Um, but yeah, I was fairly confident when I when I, when I saw that lineup. I must confess. Should get a result, shouldn't it? You would have thought so. Mm-hmm. You would have thought so. So, again, lots of uh, tweets when that team was announced. Phil VZ1, who must have been in hospitality in Table 16, nonetheless, says from Table 16, we think this is pretty strong. It's a shame Brown misses out through suspension, but Darren can definitely fill that spot. Moncur, to start, please. Gary Talbot7 said, obviously stretch at the moment, but good blend of youth and experience there. That That's is a good, good point, point yeah, yeah. A good blend there. Lench and Chin1 says, today we face Burton. They may provide a refreshed team as their Tuesday night game was cancelled. They're currently below the O's, but nothing can be taken for granted. A win is in prospect if we can repeat the link-up play, clinical energy, good defence, and keep pressing as shown against Northampton. Yeah, and also they've got a relatively new manager in place as well, who's obviously yes. keen to impress as well. So the match kicked off at Brisbane Road with the O's looking to continue their recent good form following Tuesday night's win, and only seven points from the playoff places against the Burton Albion team adjusting to life under a new manager whose game was postponed on Tuesday night. And worth mentioning that the match was played with the rainbow ball from Puma as part of the club's dedicated football versus homophobia fixture. Absolutely. So yeah. the game went underway. In the first five minutes, we had 98% possession. That's crazy. And tested Crocom as a good pass to move. So Idris Amazuni, curl a shot towards goal. Crocom making a fairly comfortable I made, the, I made the 98% bit up, but it felt like we'd, oh, had, right, okay. we'd literally only 98%. had... 98%. Yeah, like, uh, as I was writing it, I was just like, we've had so much of it, they barely <laughs> even touched it. Okay. So uh, it wasn't quite 100%. Second effort, um, the O's had in the 10th minute after Idris won the ball back superbly uh, and started an attack that eventually led the ball going to Oli O'Neill. He fired wide from just outside the area. Yeah, lovely build-up play in both of those attacks, to be fair. Free kick for Burton in the 17th minute, came to nothing, and they won another in the 19th minute after Idris was judged to have made a foul. And from that delivery into the box, Albury made a comfortable catch and then released Shaq Ford quickly, down the right, ran the full length of the pitch, and his cross was just missed by George Monco. That was a great Lung run from Ford. Yeah. Just took his man completely out and was off and away. Loved, yeah. it. Loved to see it. Ethan Galbraith was booked in the 23rd minute after he mistimed his sliding tackle. Galbraith hurt himself in that tackle. He needed treatment, but thankfully was okay to continue. Definite booking. Very, very low. very low. Might have overplayed his injury somewhat, I think, maybe to try and get under the guise of the ref a little bit. Nah, Let's skip forward it. to the 41st minute then. The O's dominating the place, more patient build-up play, eventually saw Darren Prattley pay the ball out to the right to Shaq Ford. He turned his man inside the box, was brought down in the process, and the referee instantly 
pointed to the spot. Certain penalty, no debate about that one whatsoever. No, we could see that from the south. Clear, Clear. as day. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Upstep, Georgie boy. <laughs> Called the dispatcher's penalty, sending Crocombe the wrong way to put the O's one or ahead with his first goal since that last minute uh, winner against yeah. Reading. Yeah. I'm always confident about George Moncur from the penalty yeah. spot. Like it's not it's rare that I am with Orient penalty takers, but we've spoken about it a couple of times last season. Like in his way he just steps up and you just think he's gonna score this. Like I, not for a second even contemplating him yeah. missing. Lovely penalty. And then from that point you were like, Well, we've absolutely battered him. They've been playing for time, literally from the start of the game. Hundred percent. And they've had eleven men behind the ball. Yeah. I can only see this going one way. At that point in the game, and I thought if we get a second, we might absolutely annihilate him here. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally right. <laughs> that that we needed that to make them come out yeah. and play more. Yeah, to to really draw them out. A minimum of three additional minutes went up on the board with no further action to talk about. The ref blew the half-time whistle. He did. Tents announced at seven thousand nine hundred and sixty-seven, with three hundred and sixty-one Burton fans making that journey. So it's well played to those fans there. No changes at half-time for the O's. And in the 46th minute, George Monker won the ball one from a loose pass, got the ball back from Edwards, and then he was through on goal, tight angle, some pressure from behind him. He fired a shot, which Crocombe done well to save. He did. 48 minutes on the clock then. Big chance for Burton after the ball was pumped into the box by Bradford. Sol Bryn hesitated. Hamer fired a cross goal and wide from a great position when he should have really scored. I think that was a bit of a wake-up call there. They'd done nothing in the first half. Right. And from their first raw venture forward in the second, they really should have equalised. Yeah. And again, <clears throat> our defensive line looked all over the place. I think Bryn looks a bit hesitant to come out and go for it. Defence kind of just all kind of standing there. They'll be disappointed they didn't equalise um, without one game. It's really starting to open up. In the 54th minute, Edwards' crossfield ball found Shaq Ford in acres of space. He drove into the box... He backheeled the ball cleverly to Ethan Galbraith, whose low cross was cleared. Yeah, Burton can't sit back anymore. They're definitely opening up now, and we were finding the space and the gaps in, be- in behind them and in between them. So it's starting to really turn into a bit of a game of football now. Well, I imagine their manager at half-time would have absolutely laid into them in terms I disagree. of... disagree. Yeah, I think no. they, they didn't show anything. I mean, there's tactics about defending, but there's also... They didn't show anything in that first half I no they but they dis- came to park the bus to play for a point they were time wasting they didn't show any threat but then they stopped us from being threatening there were no gaps there was no spaces there was no long balls over the top to exploit them They their game plan in my in my opinion first half was to soak it up don't go in or either go in nil-nil ideally but if you're going to if they're going to nick a goal it would be in that kind of situation mm. Um, and just keep it really tight and then come out and have a go at a second half which is exactly what happened Okay, in my opinion anyway yeah absolutely um, I see what they were trying to do just on the hour Mark Solbrin did very well to release George Monker really early he ran the full length of that pitch I mean he boy did. he's a fast runner when he gets going George he was chased by two defenders he fired at Crokem but he ended up saving with his legs and um, with Keon Edwards busting the gut to get into the six yard box and he was literally there for a square pass um, but George didn't didn't make it. But that was superb from from Solbrin to release George and for George to do that run. We're a bit unlucky not to score uh, there. But uh, yeah, no complaints from me. I think a lot's been made of, out of George Moncur's figure, I think, and his ability about being fit. I think we've spoken about it numerous times on the podcast. I think we've had numerous tweets about it. But I think you can see he is fit and he's fast when he gets going. I thought he was unlucky there. Yeah, he really is fast. I thought he was unlucky. I thought he'd done well there. Agreed. The, the only option was to shoot and I think it was a good save more than anything else. I don't disagree. Had he have squared it, then Keon Edwards was there to 
Was, was, he, was he there? I don't think he was if in the he, box. I think he was well he, behind the, the play. No, he was. Okay. No, he was. If you see, he throws his arms up like, I'm here. Fair but enough. whether he'd have got there in time before they crowded, crowded him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fair dues. That's as good as what he gets now. 71st yeah. <laughs> minute. Huge moment in the game. It was a poor pass moment. Beckles were capitalised on by Helm. He got the ball, passed it out to Mason Bennett on the right. Mason Bennett drove forward his shot. Took the slightest of deflections off Brandon Cooper again. Second week, second game running, Brandon Cooper has taken a slight deflection off. The ball beats Sal Brunet at his near post. And for being 1 0 up, comfortable. It's 1 0. Yeah, it was. Beckles again with a mistake that's been punished. Could argue that Cooper and Bryn could and probably should have done better to recover the ball. I mean, at the end of the day, it's at his near post. It's Sol Brin's near post. Burton don't deserve anything from this game. They've not really done anything to to warrant getting anything. And here we are. We've made a mistake and been punished. But this is the level that we're at now. Yeah. You don't have to work really hard or do too much. You just need to take whatever mistake or opportunity is presented to you, and you're in a game. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was coming actually. I could kind of. They were growing into the game, and they looked like they looked like there was a defensive mistake in Orient. Yeah. Uh, at a point, just a shame it stemmed from the mis- like obviously the Beckles mispass. However, Beckles. We'll get low. There's loads of stuff from Beckles, rightly or wrongly, uh, from the tweets. However, though, they still pick it up fairly deep in like our half, and they've still got to work the ball and create the chance to get the goal. And I think Cooper doesn't do well enough um, against Bennett. It gives him too much time. It doesn't close him down quick enough. And I think Solberg's got to do better. I really do. I think Bryn will be very disappointed if he doesn't say that. He gets yeah. his hand on it. Yeah. Just not strong enough, and in all of a sudden, the, high, the entire momentum completely changes. Their crowd from being very quiet, suddenly very loud. Their players have got no confidence, suddenly turn into confident players. And those little gaps that we were getting completely disappear. Mm. Massive moment um, in the game now, unfortunately, yeah. not, not for us. Exactly right. 74 minutes on the clock, double substitution now. George Moncur was replaced by Ruel Satiriu and um, Keon Edwards was replaced by Dan Adu Ajayi. Yeah, they were. A minute later, things got worse. As Burton won a free kick on our right after Ethan Galbraith was judged to have made a foul. Free kick delivered in by Powell from the left, went to our far post. Solbrin seemed to be slow to react, slipping, missing the ball. And Zalia was there to poke the ball home at the far post. And suddenly, it's 2-1 out of nothing to the visitors. Yeah, not Hunt not doing well enough there first and I think Sol will be disappointed that he's not done better there either because of his slip or hesitation or, or whatever the the reason is it's just not good enough um, to be perfectly honest but again it's easy to be harsh and judgy and critical and all of these kind of negative things but it shouldn't be happening but it has so it is what it is I thought Brim was shocking there I've got to be honest I think Brim, I think Brim's done very well for us this season I think he doesn't have his best game against Northampton I think he has a shocker yesterday really if I'm being honest like, and, oh, I guess we'll talk about it in the post-match but his position is all over the place I think it, uh, in my eyes a keeper, a keeper should come out and claim that ball he's like reticent to um, get it and it's an easy tap in it's easy to blame Rob Hunt but I think I think if I don't make comparisons to Vigrou because that's not fair on anyone because Vigrou I think was much better than um than the standard League 2, League 1 keeper. But I'd expect my keeper to be doing much better there. Mm. I think Brent would be disappointed with both of those goals. And Royce, Simon Royce, who I think would definitely um, be disappointed from a coaching perspective. But then, now Burton got the lead, now it's, the impetus is back on us. With Moncara off the pitch, um, 
and a few decent players who you'd want on that pitch off the pitch because you've made like your changes mm. now and mm. bad time to go behind right more subs in the 80th minutes as Rob Hunt was replaced by Jaden Sweeney Darren Prattley was replaced by Tom James and Ollie O'Neill replaced by Max Sanders so really having to, to go for the juggler now yeah the A's had a chance in the 87th minute after Jaden Sweeney's cross found Max Sanders but his shot was high and over the bar. I thought Jaden done well on the board up there, from what I remember. A minimum of five additional minutes were played. They went up on the board. In the first minute, Max Sanders did superbly well. Again on the left-hand side, he beat his man inside the box. He cut the ball back to Saturiu. And with the goal kind of gaping, I think it's probably fair to say, and with everyone ready to leap out and have another last-minute celebration, Saturiu shot wide from a few yards out. All the glory was there for him to take. So, yeah. Don't get me wrong, he wasn't standing there on his own with no one around him. It was a crowded penalty yeah. box. But he's just side-footed it in forwards. He's not angled it at all, which is what he really needed to do, and it's gone out. And how he does the hard goals easy and not... You said it easy earlier. Yeah. It's just, it's just it, history repeating itself again. But anyway, we move on. Despite some late pressure, no further talking points, the referee brought the game to a close as Orient suffered our first loss at home since the 9th of December as the visitors went away with the win celebrating like they won the league. Of course. With their the punching, with the yeah, 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 at the end of it, beating us 2-1. Big result for them. Fair play to them. They they, they won the game, so I guess they can do... A bit do. embarrassing though, isn't it? No, I don't think it is because new manager, team, they come into the form team in the league. They go one nil down at half-time. They get the result. Fair play to them. Burton aren't... I don't think Burton have got any... Um, Incorrect perceptions about what they're what they're here to do. I think a draw would have been a great result for Burton, and they come and get the win. Mm. Let them say, yeah, it's gutting as what it is. I think under under circumstances, their manager, like you said, would have been absolutely delighted. Thrilled. They're probably the celebrating on the way home. Mate, absolutely. They'll bring out the DVD next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Richie Wellens spoke to David. Normally, we only play a snippet, but this is only a five minute interview, and I thought Richie made some really valid and interesting points in this one. So we're going to play the entire interview. So here's what Richie Wedden said to Dave Victor, post-Burton. Richie, thanks for joining us. It was a disappointing result in the performance. Well, I think the performance first half was excellent. We could have been 2-3 up. Um, at times we didn't move the ball quicker, but you're playing against a team that just come here to defend and, and, sit, and sit back. Um, second half, too many backwards passes starts with a kick-off. Um, we're winning one nil at home. Kick off, back, 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 back to Salt on his goal line. He slips. He needs to do a Cruyff to, to get out of it, and then back, back, back. Passes back too slow, too slow. And in the second half, it just became long ball. Give a foul away, ball in our box. Long ball, give a foul away, ball in our box. And never, and, and we're obviously very, very young, and, and not great on set plays at the moment. Even though I thought we dealt with the first ones, apart from the, the, the second goal, the first contacts well. We then cleared it and we don't squeeze and they're hooking it back on. And I think they've had I think they've had two or three shots on target and scored two. Um, so that is in the last two home games now the opposition have had five goals that scored against us and we probably can face six shots and dominate and eight what, what was possession today? Seventy five percent possession. Since we've since the other two centre backs have left the team, not good enough from Brandon Cooper and Omar Beckles, not good enough. It's 83% in the first half in terms of possession, but not too many clear-cut chances. Not too many, because again, we're passing on the back, and until we get Galbraith or, or Hunty on the ball, and we can 
do something in the wide areas. We wasn't clever enough. Every time the centre-back got it, he passed it safe to, to the full-back. Every time the centre-back got it, he passed it to the guy next to him. And you can't play like You've got to step in at angles. Um, but, yeah, disappointing. But, do you know what? We've played Port Vale. Absolutely battered them. 1-1-0, hanging on with five minutes to go. We play Carlisle at home. Absolutely battered them. Should score six or seven. We're hanging on for 30 seconds because he's 3-2 at home. We're 1-0 away at Barnsley with six minutes to go and we get beat 2-1. On Tuesday night, we're dominant again and we concede three goals. Today, 75% possession. I don't know how many passes, I don't know how many... Fair play to them because he stayed in the game, stayed patient and he got a smashing grab. Um, but we can't have two or three shots on your goal and two of them I think the first one's maybe gone in the soles near post but I think he's got a nick um, but yeah really disappointed because I thought it was one at a time where I had a feeling that Stevenage on Oxford would potentially drop points today and we just we haven't got a squad to we haven't got a squad to quite push we've, we've still got an opportunity it's a small squeak but we needed to win today um, but we just haven't got a squad um, and when you haven't got a squad players know that they've got to start because nobody else will take the jersey and that 10%, 15% drop-off is huge for us. I have to say, I thought our midfield players today, I thought our strikers were good. I thought it was a good performance again from Keon. You know, you're asking young players to go short space of time. Um, I thought it was a lot of good performances, but second half, too many cheap free kicks, too many backwards passes, and ultimately, too many set plays where they're very good at. Is Wilson Tui fully fit? Is that why he was on the bench? Well, he's... He, seven days ago he's, he has to come off because he's frightened of ripping his hamstring it's the first chance this week where we've got a full week now to rest and recuperate so Sully will have a few days off um, I understand your question because he scored two on Tuesday he wants to start and Sully wants to start but I have to think of the bigger picture you know, Monk has played well today very very well and Keon has played well so um, would, I like to, would I like to start a fully fit Ruel yes of course I would but I understand that we played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for a lot of weeks now and when you run that risk and he's not quite fit, then I'd, I'd rather have him for the next 13 games and risk him for one. Well, you do have a week to prepare for that trip to Oxford, currently sixth in the table. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a must win, and if we give ourselves any chance tonight, it's a must win. But the concerning chance, we we've not given no chances away today. No chances, no threat. They don't have no ball possession in our final third, nothing. But set play, dwelling on the ball, square passes, counter-attack. That's the, only, that's the only threat. So we'll probably beat ourselves today. Like I say, fair, fair, fair play to them because he stayed in the game and been patient in the shape. But we've got to be better. We've got to be better. Injuries ahead of Saturday. Anybody that no, possibly could only, be coming back? Only TJ wasn't right to start. Obviously, Max has got a little bit of time today. So um, there'll, be, there'll be no new bodies back. But hopefully TJ and, and Max can get through um, a week's training and they'll be fully fit. And Joe Piggott? Pig should be back training Tuesday. At the end of the game, there seemed to be a sort of problem between yourself and, and maybe Martin Patterson. Is there anything there? Problem in terms of? In terms of? Uh, no. No. Okay. No. Thank you, Richie. No problem. Thank you. So that was Richie Wellington speaking to Dave Victor. Good little um, roundabout. I like what Richie had to say. Very honest as always. Yeah. And I always like the way he explains himself about Satiru, about kind of the squad. I really like a bit about. Being like critical of the centre backs, 
I think that's I think that's, that's, right. I think that's needed a bit about kind of maybe having no one to challenge him maybe kind yeah, of puts performance down slightly you know, it means you don't gap. try as hard doesn't it because you know you haven't got someone breathing down your neck ready to take Absolutely. your shirt yeah. but I think you have to be careful when you're publicly criticising your players yeah. because some will not take well to that yeah. um, he's saying what we can all see it would be disingenuous if he didn't say yeah. I think my centre if he came out and said my centre backs have had a brilliant game and I've got no complaints yeah. then we'd be like sorry what, what, what do you mean so the fact he's come out and said like they they haven't had the best of games, then that that's fair enough and that's honest. Um, so yeah, thank you to Dave as always for sending uh, that uh, across to us as always. We had um, a load of feedback about this from lots of fans, but first and foremost, let's do the league table roundup. That loss means we do drop a place from eighth we to do. ninth. Uh, we are now thirty three games into this season. We've won thirteen of them. We've drawn nine, lost eleven. Uh, we have a goal difference now, unfortunately, back in the minus. We're minus one, but, and we are still on 48 points. Certainly Your views? Are... Mom, do mine, all right. Go on, uh, let's do you. All right, decent first half. I think at half-time, I didn't really see a defeat coming, but it's a completely different Burton Albion team um, in the second half. I think it was a, a mixture of different elements. I think fatigue, definitely, injuries. I think even complacency to a certain extent. I think we were very complacent in, in the stands at half-time. I know we all were when talking about it. No one went, actually, they might come out and have a run at us in the second half. I don't think anyone was saying that. So I think that took us all by surprise. Um, I think they had a bit more desire than us in the second half. Obviously, they didn't play on Tuesday night. We did, a bit fresher. And someone makes a great point about them only having played three games in the space of 15 days and we played five, which actually is a lot of football not to play. Uh, Beckel seems to be really affected by not having Dan Happy next to him. It's almost like a different... Omar Beckles when you've got Dan Happy next to him mm. which is uh, not great I'm a, like I said I'm a big fan of Salbrin I think he's had a tough week I think he's had a bad week he's conceded five goals at home I think no one would be more disappointed than Bryn obviously after last week where he has a blinding game at Barnsley and ends up in the League 1 team of the week I think it's, it's a bit of a fall down for him hopefully he gets his head right and back and this doesn't affect him too much I thought Edwards actually wiped his socks off I thought Edwards played Really well, I think led the line well, and I thought Moker had another excellent game, which is which is real positive. Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed what Richie had to say post match. I think I just finished by saying disappointing result. You can't win them all. I've probably this brings us all back to earth a little bit. From walking back on Tuesday night thinking, yeah, like if we win against Burton and we beat Oxford, we are definitely in this race. To walking home on Saturday, going we're not quite there yet we're not where we need to be those are the games that your, reality P, your Peterboroughs might just mm. sneak a 1-0 win out of that or like your teams with a bigger squad like your derbies like the teams are ready to go up albeit they're a much bigger clubs so it's a bit of an unfair comparison that maybe however those are the teams that you've got to measure yourself against if you're going to get out of League 1 or something I guess we'll mention much later I think League 1 is going to be so much harder next year to get out of all the big all the teams in the Championship relegation zones all big big clubs who I think will probably bounce back at the first attempt and I think if Wrexham come up I think they're going to take an awful lot of stop in as well as stop Paul so I think we'll look I guess looking forward to next season going we might challenge but I think League One is going to be a lot harder next season but that's for a different podcast however it's probably brought us back down to earth a bit more than what Tuesday night did Tuesday night was one of those perfect games last minute winner results go our way you're 8th and you're thinking you only need to go up two more places and then you're in the playoff at the right time 
Rich walk away going, actually, we found out a little bit, too many injuries, too many games in a short space of time. But look, the manager can see that. He's not stupid, to be honest. Those are my thoughts on Saturday. What about you, Bidder Lajande? Very nice indeed. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were well drilled. They had a game plan to stop us, soak up our pressure, as I think I mentioned earlier, ensure that there were no gaps or spaces that we could explore. They, they grabbed two goals from our mistakes and we didn't punish them enough. And to use an old cliche, that really was a game uh, of two halves. Burton didn't deserve much from that game, in my opinion. They had a game plan. It worked, worked really hard give us very little opportunity and fair play it came off for them I think you know we had over 80% possession in the first half but only two or three shots on mm. target which shows how well drilled they were the only you know the only shot that we had on target or one of the, sorry one of the shots we had on target was obviously the penalty not really good enough um, and Richie alludes to that by the backwards and sideways and sideways yeah. and backwards and this one part of the safe passes but in fairness to them, when you look at it, there wasn't really much movement. There wasn't really much for them to pass forward to because people were quite static. And that's because Burton was so compact and tight and, and kept their lines mm. and that. there was It was a really narrow third of the pitch that they were playing in. So, you know, look, second half, we knew they'd have to be more open and come at us because it, they were a goal yeah. down. They weren't. They didn't want to lose it. They had to. We made two mistakes um, and they've punished us. The second goal, Brim misjudged the ball... And their man was in the right place at the right time for the first goal. You know, again, like you said earlier, I don't want to keep picking out, uh, picking on people. But you know, you'd argue that Sol Brim would 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 could should have done better there. Monker, like you said, another great performance yeah, really from good. him. Really impressed uh, with how he's come on. And like I said earlier, to repeat myself again, it's what I was hoping that we would have seen months, weeks, games ago. Um, not end of the world stuff. Look, we're not going to win every game. There's going to be games that we win that we probably shouldn't win. There's games that we draw that we should have either won or lost. And games that we lose that we probably should have drawn or won. Yeah. Like At the end of the season, it will even itself out and will be where we're meant to be. And my thanks just finally to Danny, who sorted me out with a ticket so Theo could come. And um, yeah, one of the only two losses I think Theo's ever watched as play so look not not end of the world stuff not losing my my mind over it all right so those were our views plenty of views as you would expect at full time or it meet pie starts us off by saying the team looked tired and lacked concentration in the second half after a really good first half injuries catching up with us and having to play hunters cost us Burton looked fitter and they worked harder the goal is safety no chance of the playoffs playing like that yeah I think playoffs are a bit of a pipe dream, but it'd be like they're within reach. I think that's what people no, are getting yeah. at, right? Deward underscore seven said too inconsistent, patently patently obvious. Sorry, after today, and as frustrating as hell, hideous result. No positives when you lose at home to Burton. Dan Alton two five nine zero says not like Orient to bring you back down to earth after Tuesday night for truly shambolic second half performance, and it was totally deserved. Spent the whole half giving free kicks, thrones, and corners away to a set piece team and lost to a set piece. We look knackered. Yeah, can I just say, their number 15 who came in as a sub, their big boy, I mean, where did they find that guy? I mean, all right, it didn't have a massive impact, but I just it's just come to mind. He was enormous. Giant. He literally just probably just only just fit in the goal. <laughs> he was enormous, really tall. Brazil Leighton said a ridiculous second half, a sleepy defence and an incompetent attack. There are times when it makes you angry to see Beckles playing. It's a lot of sleep. Yeah, Shivan Patak said, capitulation today. First half, a question of win and not if we'd score. And just for the second half, to be so devoid of ideas and hapless at the back, Royal came on far too late for me. Good point, Shivan. M8XYL said, silly mistakes in defence have cost us, but we've got no better options. 
comes down to squad depth. We shouldn't have to be playing Tom James Ruel when they're injured. Play the ball quicker without dwelling on it and we don't lose that game. Ben Porter CT said, very frustrating. Burton were a poor team and in the second half, our midfield looked tired and scared to shoot. Ford was a handful. Sanders looked good after coming on. Please sign Almiz. If we lose him, we are a bottom half team. Samuel LOFC97 said, the game was too much. Looked really leggy, which is understandable, I think. Injuries don't help with the rotation of the squad and you can tell the impact Brown has in the way we play, especially after today. Only lost the point if you're looking at other results. Re- uh, week rest, big game next week. Good points there from Sam. Our Cole, 1972, said we look tired. Mistakes from the same players as usual and probably too much inexperience to make any sort of a playoff push. Sending turns back is looking monumentally stupid from all involved. I think that's probably going to be something that a lot of fans come back to throughout the season if we're going to continue to concede these type of goals. Obviously, like we said, had five just before the end of the transfer window. Adam Thompson, I think, understandably goes out to Barnet. Obviously not featured in barely any squads following his injury. Mm. Uh, but even at that point, you had Happy, Turns, Beckles and Cooper, which was four, which covers you. But then Turns goes back, leaves you with three. Happy gets injured, leaves you with exactly two centre-backs for two positions. That's exactly what I said would happen uh, in our roundup at the end of the January transfer window, our first podcast. I said, what happens if... And it seems to be coming true. Um, I'm, sur- I'm surprised there's been no talk of Thompson coming back ending his loan spell. I know, obviously, he's not played a lot of League One football and he's probably still gaining fitness, but he's an, it must be an option to recall him from loan. I imagine if we recall him, he ends up on the bench at an absolute minimum Yeah. in terms of decent experience, decent age, must have been playing consistent football now for at least, what, three, three weeks, four yeah, weeks? Yeah have that level of fitness I'm amazed they've not called him back yeah. whether they do or don't whether they can or they can't I don't know the ins and outs of a recall clause on a loan spell to, to what if there is one I'm sure there probably must be I'd be amazed if there wasn't however I'm surprised they they haven't especially again that after what Richie has said in his post-match in terms of criticising Beckles and Cooper and I think fans probably feel the same I mean you can still sign players right Yeah. there's a European transfer market certain countries there's a still window open within certain territories and there's also an agent for free there's also a market for free agents so obviously if a player isn't attached to a club you can sign a player which is what Burton Albion done with a guy who scored yesterday yeah. so I'm sure there are fingers in pies at the moment don't forget Nigel Travis two weeks ago said we were going to go for it yeah, we're, so, def- we're defensively yeah. short, but absolutely right. So maybe Nigel, you can let us know what the situation is with Adam Thompson because I don't think Martin uh, listens to the fan media. So um, yeah, yeah, it's just an interesting. Interest. They must be looking at. They must be looking at. Let us know. They must be looking at alternative. I'm sure they must be. You know, yeah, it'd be silly not to. Um, but then, you know, do you take the risk that someone's not played for months um, at a time? C. Vlata said, injuries and fatigue are taking their toll. Not an excuse, it's just a fact. Also, no confidence that the last two defeats from two teams who have more days uh, more days than us to rest. Mid-table now, and that is more important... Uh, sorry, mid-table now, and that is more than good for the rest of the season, back in the third tier. Yeah, Ross McCaffrey, do you try and see things in the context of our Fred Bear squad, but hard not to be dis- bitterly disappointed by that one? Not sure what spooked Selbrin, 
He was scared to come for anything. Yeah, Gus Chimenti said, Burton came for a draw and benefited from two mistakes and a poor ref. We couldn't find solutions after their goals. A full week with no games to come back stronger against Oxford next week. Amen to that one. Alan Reeves too. said, too many excuses here. That result was down to one man, Beckles. Utterly pathetic for their first goal. They were never scoring if he doesn't do that. Not sure what Richie was complaining to the ref about either. Not his fault we overplayed it. And we don't put teams away. Yeah, exactly right. Pank P007 said, By midway through the second half, we were starting to make Burton look like, con- look like title contenders. The O's were devoid of energy and a plan after a crisp first half where Albion defended for the whole 45. JME Ray 72 said, Lots of possession knocking the ball sideways. Our centre-backs saw more of the ball than our creative players. We have to move the ball forward quicker at times. Players may be tired, but after a busy schedule, but that was poor, a poor performance. We missed Brown. Mr. Underscore T82 said, can't complain with that result, really. We weren't the best and weren't the worst, then neither were Burton. We had chances to put the game to bed. Didn't take ours, but they took theirs. Yeah, that's right. Doyle Underscore Hooper said, frustrating afternoon. We looked a little predictable and moved the ball too slowly at times. Felt Richie got, got it wrong with the subs. Should have made changes earlier to kill off the game when there was... Uh, space in behind, waiting till one all when we looked out of ideas. On to Oxford, big game. Certainly, is Matty LFC Evans. The injuries are taking their toll. Gutted to lose, but can't be disappointed with still being in the top 10 after 33 games. Mm. Safe for the season and about making a statement for the remainder of this season. For me, playoffs slightly too far out of reach. Spot on tweet. Absolutely spot on. Casey Adams, LOFC, said, Yeah, we lost, but what a performance from the majority of the team. Moncur, O'Neill, Ford, Elmiz. Ford, sorry, Elmiz and Edwards and also Galbraith were all class. The team are knackered, can swallow a loss after the shift and boys put in. Yeah, good point, F and Casey. Ian Hutchinson in 08 said, awful defeat. Our unique way of playing only works against teams that come and attack us, but mm. not against teams that sit in and defend. Mm-hmm. Really need to start finding other ways to win against these types of teams. Need to be more clinical when you're not creating too many chances. We are beginning to create a trend of keeping the opposition in games, not killing them off. Yeah, Nuriel too said we were acting like we need playoffs to survive as a club. There is no pressure. We are a decent team. Let's see how far we can go. Don't have a meltdown. Yeah, penultimate tweet on this one goes to Matt J Nash. He says I think five games in fifteen games with little option to rotate, plus some heavy pitches due to the weather toll has taken its toll now. Only Burton's third game in that time as well. Generally think we batter them in normal circumstances. That's a very good point. Indeed it is. The final word goes to Dave Brew, 47976911, said a result that was always going to happen sooner or later. Lots of injuries, a young squad, lots of games in short time, fatigue. If someone had said in August that we'd be safe from relegation in mid-February, I'd have bitten your hand off. A week off now. Great point there from Dave. Many great points made in those three. So if you agree or disagree with any of those that we've read out, you can let us know. You can do that by tweeting us at Orient Outlook. You can email us if you're not on Twitter at orientoutlook at outlook.com. You can also find the podcast on Instagram at orient underscore outlook underscore podcast. And you can also find the podcast on Facebook at orient outlook podcast. You can indeed. So let's move on then to the prediction, the exact K123. Well done to you uh, because you correctly predicted uh, the correct result. You get three points. You didn't get the scorers. So that means the prediction league... Is as follows. Yeah, very tight. On 25 points leading the way is Dave Brew, 47976911. Followed on 24 points by Eastside Orient. On 22 points, Pine M is Rio underscore Orient. And on 20 points is Paul R. Gregory. 
The prediction league table can be found on our Facebook page. And thanks to everyone for all of their predictions. Like Paul said, only one correct prediction yesterday. Not many people were already losing that one. No. So yeah, I think 80% thought we were going to win they that. They did. Alcohol. Absolutely did. Sunday the 18th of February, today as we record this, uh, the ladies were due to be in action, but the pitch at Buckhurst Hill was under flood water last weekend. Hasn't drained away yet. Hasn't play- drained away sufficiently either to make it playable. So the scheduled Greater London Women's Football League Premier Division game between the O's and Bottom Club Regents Park Rangers had to be postponed. Uh, we're not sure if it's good or bad. We hear that coach Danny Martin is struggling with a number of players missing through injury. So hopefully an extra week may improve the situation. And it's important because next week we take on Comets, the current league leaders. And we need to take points from them to re-establish ourselves as joint championship favourites. A loss next Sunday will make it a very steep uphill battle for the Orient ladies. Alright, so that game next Sunday is taking place at Buckhurst Hill weather permitting with a 2pm kickoff. All the details can be found on http forward slash lfcwomen.com. Be there to give some rousing support to the girls if you possibly can. It's a few minutes walk from Buckhurst Hill on the Central Line, so that is next Sunday. The under-18s didn't have a game scheduled, so they remain top of their junior Premier League. Warriors blue section with a perfect seven wins from seven games. What an update. So thank you again to lfcwomen.com for sending over that update. You can go on the website, like we said, and find all the latest information there. Come on, you O's. Let's hope we can beat comments next Sunday. Get ourselves back up that league table. Amen to that. So let's wrap this up at nearly one hour, 25 minutes. Told you it'd be a bumper. Bumper. Uh, fantasy football update. Jamie Wellham is now top of the Orient Fantasy Football League on at 1,577 points. That is updated as of about an hour yes, and a half ago. It sure he's is. just one point ahead of Josh Abrahams in second place. Steve is 197th out of 374, so kudos to you. So let's move on to the positives and negatives. Yeah, all right, we'll take a positive each. I yeah. think we've got four positives from the week, got four negatives as well. First up, positives. What a game against Northampton. One of the fav- yeah. most favourite games I can remember for recent memory. Yeah, exactly right. And the goals from Ruel, Oli O'Neill and Shaq Ford were all real brilliant ones as well. I've got a feeling in our end of season polls at Northampton, I'll be amazed if a game over the season. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, third positive, although we dropped the place, um, we're still where we were at the beginning of last week. So ninth in league, I think, like we said, all would have taken that come this point all day of the long. season. Yeah. yeah, all day long. And our final um, positive this week is the youth team results. They've scored... 15 goals, conceded four <laughs> in two games. Absolute rout at uh, upper MK Dons yeah. away. Um, and a real resilience shown in the 5-4 win um, earlier on in the week. So absolute credit and kudos to the youth team there. Brilliant stuff. So four positives, like we said, four negatives coming up. First of all, the loss to Burton. I think many of us saw it coming. Like I said, I think it's brought us all back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, that's right. It did. It is a bit of a reality check, that one. A little bit. Uh, Jordan Brown's suspension is the second negative. He's out for two games. Yeah, so he'll miss Oxford next weekend. And a huge, huge one. Well, first of all, was injuries, I guess, within that. But I guess a big one within the whole scope of injuries is Theo Archibald's injury. Like we covered earlier in the episode, wishing Theo all the best in his route to recovery. I think though. the worst part of it is, is how long he's projected to be out for. Yeah. Like he misses all of the rest of this season. He misses all of pre-season. Well, won't get pre-season, will he? All of pre-season and then a third of next season what, as I mean, well. Nine months plus. What are you looking at? What November? November, December. So nine months plus. So it's nearly half of next it. season. So and and yeah, it's 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 outrageous. It's a shame for him, really. Uh, and the final negative we have for for this week is the poor goals that we've conceded during the week. Like they're not they're not worldies. We're not being 
totally outplayed or undone. We're the victims of our own demise by giving gifting teams the five goals that we've conceded this week. Yeah, especially yesterday's goals. So that kind of evens it out. So hero of the week, then, I guess if we were doing this after Tuesday, there could have been several players. I mean, several decent performances this week. But we are going to give um, hero of the week down to uh, a group, a group of, of young, a very young lads who've had an amazing week. So here's the week. Oh, it's going to be the youth team. Well done to the young O's. Fabulous to see. Absolutely. All right, next week's fixtures, happy to say. Well, from doing a Tuesday, Saturday over the last couple of weeks, we only have one fixture coming up this week. We're going back to where history was made all <laughs> those years ago. We're going back to Oxford United. Years, yeah. yeah, They are currently six in League One. They're a very different team to the one who came to us and battered us uh, earlier in the season when they beat us. I think it was 3-2 in the end, but it was, they kind of, I thought they were much better than us that day. They are six now. They've been in free fall slightly since uh, Liam Manning left to join at Bristol City. And on Saturday... They drew 0-0 away at Wickham. Their last five, they've won one and drawn four. They've only lost one game in 2024, so actually I might have to eat my words there because they're not doing yeah. too bad. A bit like us, I guess, Yeah. in terms of where we were in terms of drawing lots and not really winning yeah, or losing them. We beat them 5-0 in the Football League trophy at the end of August and you're right, we lost, three we? Two at, we lost 3-2 at home um, Oh, in August 22. They beat us 5-0 at their gaff. Sorry, they beat us 5 0. Do beg your pardon. It helps yeah. if I read the stats correctly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. They beat us 3 2 uh, back in November. They did. Yeah, so that is it. So, sponsorship reminder don't forget, get in touch with John and the team of uh, Experienced Florists. You can call the shop on 0208 529 4130. Make a note of that. Mother's Day is in a few weeks' time. Yes. So, uh, make a note of that number. They're on socials as well, at Carol Langley E4. Carol has got an E at the end, or at EssexBiz on Twitter. Instagram is Carol Langley Florist, and search them on Facebook under Carol Langley Florist. Yep, so that really is it on a bumper, episode 347. So thank you for joining us in two very different games this week, as we won a 4-3 thriller under the lights against Northampton in a match we will all remember for many years to come. And in a resilient, well-drilled Burton, Albion came and snatched all three points from us due to errors of our own making at the back. And due to injuries and suspensions, we do have a threadbare squad that you can see trying their best, which is all you can ask for. And there are games we win, which we probably shouldn't. And alternatively, there are games we lose, we shouldn't. But it evens itself out at the end. And where we end up in the league in May is where we'll deserve to be. So a big week now, like we said. Only one game coming up so the players can rest and recharge with the journey to Oxford forthcoming. And if you're going, we hope to see you there. I think Mr. Levy will be there. So if you see Mr. Levy, go and say hello. Wish you a safe journey. And hopefully next week we'll be talking about a win at the Kassam Stadium and another three points for the O's. Indeed. So in the meantime, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. We'd appreciate a rating. Five stars would be great. Or if you're listening on Spotify, don't forget you can now rate the show. Or even if you, or even leave a comment uh, on each episode. So please do if you get the chance, and don't forget follow us or add us to your favourites of your chosen podcast provider, and that way you'll end up getting all the episodes as soon as they're available. We're also on smart speakers, we're on the Fan Hub app, and we're also on YouTube now. So listening to the podcast has never been easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one, or an Orient chum who you think would like the podcast, grab their phone, download it for them and pass the pod alright so we'll be back with episode 348 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm stay safe have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast it's not over yet up the O's